0: Good morning, Crossroads. Man, I don't know why we hadn't done this sooner. God, push, God pushing these embers together, man, it feels good in here, doesn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. And I, I tell you, the only thing that's rivaled that for me today is watching everybody walk up to their room and go, you're in my seat. That's been fun to watch, uh, I'm not going to lie. So, hey, welcome to our first joint service again. Uh, and I said, I'm going to love this as long as we've got room. We're going to enjoy this as long as we've got room, and when God grows us to the place we've got to go back to, two, we will, but let's just enjoy it for the moment, yes. right? Praise God yes. for it. So thanks for being here. Thanks for remembering. I'm really uh, proud of you guys. I want to ask you a question. Do you like happy endings? Yes. You enjoy a good happy ending? Yes. I can tell you who likes a good happy ending in my house It's my wife, Gabriel. and I've gotten permission for this. Uh, but we will watch a movie and it doesn't matter how good the movie is, how how, how funny it's been or how, how heart you know engaging it's been, if it doesn't end with them riding off into the sunset together, it's like that was a terrible movie. That was a horrible I don't ever want to watch that movie. Forrest Gump, like I love Forrest Gump. That's a great show. But she's like Why does Jenny gotta die. Why can't she just get sick and get better? Like she's uh, she likes a happy ending. And look, I can't blame her. I don't, I don't think we should blame her. This last message of a series called The End is about this. How does the end end? How does this all end up? And the answer is really simple. God wins. Yes. God wins. That's how it's going to end. And we all get the happy ending if we know Christ, we all get the happy ending we long for. It's going to be good. So let's dive into God's word. We're going to be in Revelation 21 and 22 and 2 Peter 3. And we're going to just look at what the Bible describes as the end of it all. We have looked at the return of Christ. We have looked at the tribulation period. We've looked at the millennial thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth. And now in Revelation 21, verse 1, we pick up on something different something new the end of the end and john's trying to describe what he sees and he says then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is a good ending, isn't it? He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Wow, there's some great stuff in there. But Before we get in, you might have been saying, whoa, 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 back up a second. How did that first start? Like what's gonna happen to this world? What did it say about about all that? It said that this world and and this place is going to pass away. That the earth that we're sitting on right now And the the atmosphere and the galaxy and the universe that we're dwelling right now will one day be gone. Whoa. It says the heavens will pass away, meaning plural, that plural wasn't an accident, the first heaven being this atmosphere, the second heaven being uh, the galaxy and the universe, and the third heaven, John describes, the third heaven is the place where God now resides, and all those things will be remade. And everything we see will one day be gone. 2 Peter chapter 3 describes it in a little more detail, and he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. I don't know how hot you have to do to destroy atoms, but that sounds pretty hot. The atoms will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything uh, done in it will be laid bare. You know, every time I, I get a little too attached to something on this earth, something, my new little pride, my new little car, my new little thing that I love, uh, there's just a little running joke I have, and I, I like to share it with the people I live with. And it's like, it, I get a little too attached. I go, it's all going to burn. <laughs> that puts a damper on it. Like, right? you're a killjoy, right? I know I am. Uh, it's all going to burn. It's going to be gone one day. It's all going to be gone. It might be hard to wrap our head around. It might even freak you out a little bit that that chapter 65 that said this was coming and he says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth for the former things will not be remembered nor will they come to mind. And God is saying, listen. Listen when we live our lives for the here and now, when we invest the whole of our energy and effort and our time and our resources into building something here on this planet, it's foolishness. It's like building a sandcastle right next to the shore. And no matter how elaborate and beautiful and detailed and sturdy and awesome that you build that sandcastle, you know that eventually that thing's going to get wiped out. It's going to be gone. And listen, material things are necessary, but they're they're not what we live for. They're not our hope. Achievement is good and fine, but listen, only the things that are done for Christ are gonna ultimately last. Life is to be enjoyed, but listen, there is more to our lives than entertaining ourselves. There's so much more. So here, ask yourself this question. Am what I'm building in my life is it going to pass on to the next life? Is it going to endure the fire? He says it's all going to be gone. This heaven, these earths, the heavens and earth, they're going to be gone one day. So it's going to be gone. Then he says, I'm going to replace it with a new heaven and a new earth. I got good news. I don't know what your picture of heaven has been like in your mind or what you've been taught or what you've been told, but you and I aren't going to be floating around in an immaterial state. We're going to have real, physical, immortal bodies. We're not going to be laying on the clouds. We're not going to have wings. We're not going to have to play a stupid harp. None of that's going to be... We're not going to be bored in heaven. So whatever your concept of what this is going to look like for eternity, it's better than you think. It's going to be incredible. Eternity We will have a new place to live in eternity. It's a place that God's going to remake just for us. We'll have a new earth to explore. We'll have a new universe to explore. We may be like Star Trek and like going to new places all the time for eternity. Whoa. That sounds pretty good. We'll have a new place to live, this new centralized city called the New Jerusalem. And it's a place that God is preparing. And he says that this new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven. It's going to float down. out of heaven. I'm going to be ascended into heaven. And I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back and take you so you can be with me in this new place. And he's describing this new Jerusalem. This three-dimensional city is going to come down out of heaven and land on this new earth. And they give the dimensions in the Bible. This is incredible. It's its three-dimensional, wide, long, and high. It's all 1,400 miles. That's a big town. They got more than one Starbucks. I mean, it's big. It's big. It's going to be big. In fact, just to give you some context, jump in your car today, and if you want to ski, drive to Denver. That's 1,400 miles. Whoa. Whoa. I want to tell you something. God made the world that we marvel at, and we go to the, the, you know, the Great Lakes, or we go to the Grand Canyon, or we go to these amazing views, and sees, He made all that in six days. He's been working on this for 2,000 years. That's 1, 122,000 times more time on the next place than this place. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be spectacular. There's other descriptions in Revelation 21 and 22. It says it's made out of gemstones and the streets of gold, and you should read those chapters and look at and there's more detail there. It's, it's almost impossible to describe by John of just how immaculate and amazing this place that God's creating is going to be. Some people think, you know, by the way, the, the size of that city some people think the moon is hollow I, I don't know I don't have enough knowledge to know that but it's, it's about the right size for the moon to pop open and the new Jerusalem to come floating down who knows yeah I'm a nut I guess this is the best part verse 3 it says and then God will dwell with them God almighty God the creator God the infinite God, the undescribable God will will be in our presence. That has been the point from Genesis chapter three to Revelation 21, the whole point of God's story and the plan of God is that he would restore all things to one day that mankind and all who know Jesus Christ would dwell in the presence of God Almighty forever. That's what he wants. That word dwell with them is literally the word tabernacled that God would tabern, you know what the tabernacle was, right? It's when the Israelites were traveling around and they built a tab and instructed them to buy this, build this tabernacle where this presence by a cloud by day and fire by night would dwell among the people of God, and they would know His presence and they would enjoy his presence, and they knew their God was in them. He was visibly represented in the tabernacle with them. and he's saying, "Listen, I'm going to tabernacle with you, and you won't have to live by faith anymore. your faith will be sight, and you will dwell in the presence of Almighty God, and you will tabernacle with him." just like the Israelites, just like Moses. In fact, it's the same word when in John 1, 14, when Jesus, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It literally is he tabernacled among us that God in Jesus Christ, that the presence of Almighty God took on flesh and became a man so that we could see God in the flesh in his son, Jesus Christ. You know what that tells me? If the whole point of all this is for God to be near you and to be near me, that you are God's prized possession. You are God's prized possession. And there's nothing that He wants more than an intimate, tight relationship with you and with me. I want to read verse four again because it just shows you how great it's going to be in His presence. It says, He'll wipe every tear from our eyes. There's going to be no more death which gets thrown into the lake of fire. No more mourning, nor crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. One day, One day when what we all desire will happen and the good guys will win and we'll have no scars in heaven physically, emotionally, spiritually, completely and fully, 100% healed. And the only scars that will be in heaven will be in the feet, and the hands of our Savior Jesus Christ as a reminder that he laid down his life for you and me and the way we get there, the reason we are there is not because of anything we've done, but because of what he's done for us. Wow. Listen, it's good to know these things. It ought to grow our confidence in our God and say, God, what have I to fear if God has this figured out? If I know that God wins, it means I get to win with him by faith in Jesus Christ. And, this is where we're going to go the rest of our time, and knowing how it ends changes how we live today in every single day. Because these things are true, it changes how we live every single day of our lives. In fact, in Second Peter chapter 3, let's go back to the next verse. Peter keeps going on this idea. When he's thinking about the end, he says, listen to what God says. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? That's a great question. If this is true, then how does it affect me today? If that's how it ends, then how is it gonna change how I live my life right now? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and to speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Because we know how it ends, first of all, we are to live holy and godly lives. Because we know how it ends, the first thing on the docket, the first priority is that we would be people who live holy and godly lives. That the pursuit of our life isn't material possessions, uh, it's godliness, not the goodies we get. And because we know the end, the pursuit of our lives is holiness, not any honor or recognition we get in this life. So that means there are this relationship with God, this intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father is to be something that you and I seek out. That we look for we long for we make time for we make a priority in our lives because we know since everything else that this world says we should live for that you need to have a bigger house and a bigger 401k and a nicer car and and all this other stuff and there's nothing wrong with any of that but he's saying listen since we know that stuff's going to ultimately be gone there should be something else we make the priority of our life he says live holy and godly lives you ever overinvested in something? So you had a stock market? <laughs> you ever bought a house and then the value tanks in the house? You ever made an investment and wish you never would have bought it? I can tell you, as a young man, I made a terrible investment. So I'm driving down the road, and this guy flags me over into a parking lot, and, and I really didn't know what he was. I was pretty naive, I guess, at the time. And He's in this big box truck. He throws the back of the box truck over and he says, "Hey, you want to buy some speakers?" Should have saw a red flag right there, right? I'm like, "Show them to me, baby." And so he gets them out. I'm like, "They look good." I'm like, "And it was cheap. It was like a good deal." So I'm like, "Yeah, I'll buy them." I don't know what I paid for this, but whatever I paid for them, it was way too much. <laughs> they were junk. They were junk. I had to throw them away. They were so horrible. It was a bad investment. Listen, you can overinvest in this life, but you could never overinvest in a relationship with your heavenly father. You just can't do it. Because there's always a return, there's always a reward, there's always a blessing, there's always more intimacy, there's always more that you get from that relationship. And because the reason I bring up this tightness with God and making a priority of your life and reading His Word and spending time with your heavenly Father is simply this: when God says be holy and godly, He's not saying hey just try harder. What He's saying is the more you get near Me, the closer you get to Me, the more intimate our relationship is. Then I will change you, and I. I will make you more holy and more godly so let me just ask you are you in are you stri- relationship like the end is coming are you striving after holiness and godliness as something that's a priority in your life Because I can promise you, I don't know what God's will is for every aspect of your life, but I can promise you this. It is God's will that your character, your attitudes, your actions, your words, and your behaviors become more and more like Jesus Christ. He wants that for you, and he wants that for me, that we would all be, be conformed in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's what he wants. Do you guys know the story of Jacob in the Old Testament from Genesis? Jacob had a rivalry with his brother Esau. And they're probably not the best parenting examples, you know, in the home. And, and so they were pitted against each other. and They were favorites. And so Jacob steals his, his birthright. He's a birthright. He steals his inheritance. He steals his blessing. And then the old man passes away. And so Esau's like, well, now that my dad's dead, I'm going to take it out on Jacob. I'm going to get what's mine. And Jacob catches wind, and he flees. He takes off. He goes to another country. He gets out of there, and decades pass. And God says, it's time for you to come back and see Esau. And so he's traveling with his herds and his wives and his kids and all this stuff. And he sends them ahead and he spends the night because he's worried. He's worried. How is Esau going to take, is he, is he going to exact revenge on me now? And so he stays up the night and the Bible says he wrestled with God. You bless me. And he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go till I know that this is going to work out. I'm not letting go till till I'm in your heartbeat and I'm where you want me to be, God. Guys, listen, i me to ask you something. How bad do you want to be holy and godly before Almighty God? How badly do you wanna know him? Will you grab the hem of God and say, I'm not letting go until I become more like you. God, I'm not letting go until I, you conform me to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I want you to change me from the inside out. And so I'm gonna wrestle with this. I'm gonna struggle with this. I'm not rolling over in this pursuit of holiness. I'm going in deeper and doubling down on a desire to know Jesus and let him change me. God says, because we know how it ends, live holy and godly. Second thing in that passage we just read, he also says, as you look forward to the day of God, and so secondly, because we know how it ends, we need to be keep looking forward. We need to keep looking forward. That was terrible English, but you know what I mean. That doesn't mean we ignore the past, the we got to deal with some things from our past. We don't ignore it. We need to deal with it. It doesn't mean we deny the reality of what we're going through today. But what it does mean is no matter how hard it is or the trials or the discouragement or the, the hardships we're facing in our life, we know some things. We know we have a get-out-of-jail-free card. We know that, the, that there's better things coming, and we know that this is not the end and that every problem that we face in our life is Temporary. It's going to be gone. One day the fight will be over. And so listen, if you're struggling to have hope today, can I just encourage you that whatever you're battling in your life, one day it's going to be gone. You can look forward to the day. Today you don't quit because today God's faithful. And he says you're one step closer to being with me. It's one day closer to this all being perfection like you long for. We're almost there. We're almost there. And so we are to be a people that keep looking forward. Thirdly, we get to speed it up. We get to speed up the return of Jesus Christ. Because we know what's coming, we can speed it up. In fact, that's what he said. Uh, and, uh, And to speed its coming, meaning the return of Christ. So Jesus said the same thing. And you might be saying, how in the world do we speed up Jesus' return? Well, Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. See, the end comes when the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done upon a cross in an empty tomb, when that message gets to all ethos or all people groups in all languages, and the gospel is heard in all those different corners of the world, not that every single person here, but every group of person has a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then Jesus says, I can come back. So you and I get to be a part of Christ's return. See, when we serve each other in this church, we're helping to speed the return of Jesus Christ. When we're holding a baby, when we're, when we're flipping switches in the back, when we're working with a student ministry, when we're greeting people at the door, you're playing a, a part in, in serving the church of Jesus Christ to speed back the return of Jesus Christ. Let me just ask you, is anybody excited about the return and the establishment of the eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ? All right. So we get to speed that by serving. We get to to speed that up by sending. We're gonna take another team to the Republic of Georgia this next summer and we can send missionaries out from our church to that place and other churches and around the globe and we can help speed the return of Jesus Christ. You and I can share the good news of Christ with people around us. Remember our go big cards that we're people that are, that are looking for ways to invest in people and help them know Christ and we're praying for that and we're, we're talking to them. We, we're speeding the return of Christ. When you and I give generously to the cause of Christ, when we give to his church and his cause and his mission, guess what we're doing? We're speeding up the return of Christ. So when we're serving or spending or going and giving, we all, we all get a part to play. We're one step closer. We're one soul closer. We're one milestone closer. We're one day closer. We're one bit closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And the imperfection that we live in today, guess what? We get to speed the return of perfection through Christ. So that's how we live in light of eternity. Let's look at what, let's just look for a minute in Revelation 22 what these days are gonna look like. For all eternity, here's a little glimpse, Revelation 22, of what we get to do. It says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Wow. So the focal point of this whole thing is the throne of God. He mentions it twice in this little passage, the throne of God. It's almost like John, he sees all this beauty and all this amazing things, but he just can't take his eye off the throne where God the Father and the Son and the Spirit dwell and reign and his eyes are drawn to it. It's like a groom when, when those back doors of the church or the barn or wherever you're getting married open up and the bride comes in. And you, you, could, you could say anything to that dude in that moment. His eyes aren't leaving that bride. He's fixated on his bride, about to come down the aisle and come and be married and come and be joined. And it's like that with John. He's like, there's my groom. There's my, my savior. There's my God. He's the one I've longed for. The one who loves me more than anyone. Else. And I can't keep my eyes off of him. And we're no longer going to be distracted Somebody give me an amen with ADD. (laughs) We're not going to worry about distractions. We're going to be locked in. We're going to be focused on the one who makes it all worth it. And God in his brilliance will be intoxicating. Let me say that again. And God in his brilliance will be intoxicating. And we will, just to be in his presence, will be the most incredible thing you've ever experienced in your life ever. Nothing will come close. Now, when my kids were born, I can't can't put it into words what that meant and how much they mean. And we joked, my wife and I, when we had Addison, our oldest, it was like, we have hours of videotape, and it's like her sleeping. <laughs> you feeling me? Like, oh, she moved her pinky. Did you see that? It was incredible. Like, the, especially with the first one. No offense to the other two. Uh, with the first one, you're just like in awe. You're like watching every little crinkle of an eyelid, and you're like, whoa. We're going to be around the throne and go, oh, did you see that? I didn't see that part of God yet. Did you, Oh, did you see that? Oh, there's another thing I didn't know about. God. Oh, wow, did you? Oh. And if we're just going to be intoxicated in his presence. It's the best part of heaven. By the way, for you fishermen, it said there's no sea. Sorry about that. But he did say there's a river, so I'm going to guess they're still fishing. All right. Feel good about that tree of life from eden you ever wondered what happened to the tree of life well god preserved it it's still there he he picked it up out of eden and he's been hanging on to it and he's going to plant it in this new jerusalem and it's going to be covering a river and it's going to be there and it represents the eternal nature there's nothing changing the fact that we will now live forever with god it symbolizes the permanency and the and the eternality of what's to come did you notice what's not there from eden The other tree, well, the snake, we'll get there. That's good, too. There's also not that other tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because that means we can't rebel against God anymore. We can't choose to sin anymore. There is no choice. The choice has already been made, and if you know Jesus Christ, you you will be in perfect harmony and unity with God the Father and the Son and the Spirit forevermore, amen, and nothing will change it. Just life, just life. And then he said, there's no curse. Whoever said Satan, we're getting to that. See, so he takes Satan, he throws him into the lake of fire. For eternity and so that, that, that God cursed Satan and Satan is remo- removed and God curses our bodies and he says listen the immortal bodies are gone 1 Corinthians 15 you now you have a new immortal body and now that part of the curse is gone and that old earth that I cursed with thistles and I, and I destroyed that old earth and now there's a new earth and so that literally every aspect of 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 the curse is removed it's gone it's incredible And we can live in total freedom and reckless abandon to God like we were created to do. Verse 4, it says, they will see. That whole idea again, that we get to be near God. We get to dwell with God. And I don't know if you realize this. The scripture says no one's ever seen God's face. Moses got to see the back of him. Moses dwelt with him in the tent of meeting, but even then they didn't get to see his face, okay? You and I will get to see The face of God. We will will be in His presence in a way, it's indescribable. And you know, when we worship and it's good, we get a little taste. And when the baby's born, we get a little taste. And when God changes some heart and draws them to saving faith in Jesus, we get a little taste. I mean, there's little tastes of heaven on earth here, but one day we'll be in His presence face to face. Verse 5 said, There's no more night and that they'll reign forever. It's such a complete victory. It's an eternal victory that God would triumph over darkness. He triumphs over darkness so much there is no more darkness. Darkness is gone. In every crook and crevice of heaven, there's light. There is no, I guess, shadows in heaven because there's only light. And it's not from the sun or a lamp that God himself radiates light. If you don't believe me, read Revelation chapter one. Jesus radiates light and we're filled with the goodness and light of God everywhere we turn. And God, the Father and the Son and the Spirit will reign in perfect peace forever. Amen. Guys, that, that, that's a happy ending. That's a happy ending we all long for. And listen, if you know Christ, if you have this intimate relationship with Jesus that I'm talking about, rejoice for what's to come. Rejoice that the days to come are going to be incredible. For eternity, it's going to be incredible. If you're in Christ, live with hope that there's always hope for a better tomorrow, that that day's coming. If you know Christ, live with the light of eternity in your mind that we, that we would go before God not as an acquaintance of someone we met one time. and haven't really gotten to know. Know that we would, we would invest in this relationship in such a way that we get to see him face to face. We'll fall down at his feet. It's like meeting an old friend that we've known and loved for years because he's that dear to us and we spent time in the presence of God here so we can enjoy him even more up there that's how we live in light of eternity that we will invest our lives and let eternity influence how we live today and every single day because I don't know what you're going through But God says, I win. And if I win, in Christ, you win. In Christ, you win. In Christ, you win. Georgia Tech didn't win, but in Christ, you win. I had to get it out. We win. We win. Praise God. And listen. If you don't have an intimate relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, can I tell you simply, there's nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing that God wants more in all of eternity and all the whole universe that you to step into a relationship with Him. He longs for it and it's what you long for. It's what you're created for. One day it's going to be too late to decide that but today you can decide that and listen, you don't have to fix yourself up and you don't have to get certain things right. You You can't do that anyway. God says, listen, come to me empty and broken and, and And I will fill you. I'll forgive you if you ask for it. And I'll fix you and I'll make you into my image. That's the choice I believe someone here needs to make today. Will you pray with me? God, I praise you that you gave us a sneak peek at what eternity is going to look like. God, I thank you so much. You win. God, today we praise you, you're the God who conquers evil and death and hell and the grave. You're the God who's conquered all fear. You're the God who's conquered darkness. God, there's no one else like you in all the universe and there's nothing this world ought to attract us like knowing you. You say, we're your great prize. You know what faith in Christ is? Is saying, God, now you're my great prize. And i want to pray for the believers in this room today. God, that we would not build a sandcastle by the sea. No, no matter how elaborate or beautiful or awestruck and everyone else comes by and says how awesome it is, we would not live for this life. What a waste. God, would you birth something us? Would you breathe something in us? Would you grow something in us? That, man, I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking, eternity. I'm gonna live for eternity. I'm gonna pursue holiness and godliness by getting to know Jesus because the closer I get to him, the more he makes me into his image. I'm going to to heed the scripture. It says, forgetting what is behind and pressing on to what is ahead. And God, I'm not going to let my past hold me down. I'm not going to let my current circumstances hold me down. I believe in a forward thinking God who says, listen, whatever you're going through one day, it'll be over and you will be in perfect peace with me. Father, I want to pray just a, just a blessing and challenge over your people to say, let us be part of the people who speed your return. No time to be idle, but to serve. No time to be afraid, but to share our faith with people who need it. No time to, to, to hold back, but to give generously away. Because we know what's coming. Father I pray for the person in this room or watching online that says I mean I've heard about Jesus and I go to church and I consider myself a Christian or I consider myself religious but I don't have this intimate relationship with Jesus today's the day don't put off this decision anymore and just say Jesus will you come into my life I need you Make that your prayer. Will you forgive me of my sins? I need you. Would you lead my life today? I need you. Because I want to know you. I'm going to make you my prized possession. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. You consider us your prized possession. In Jesus' name, amen.